Fantastic. That's really wonderful. Okay, I want you to just open your Bible with me in uh, Matthew chapter 9. And uh, we're going to just uh, start there. I want to go and look at a little book in the, in the Old Testament. And I want to just... Uh, I want to just inspire us, just particularly off the back of what was shared tonight, just uh, about not to struggle with uh, our destiny and the call of God to impact our community, not to struggle against God. And uh, we're just going to look just first of all at the heart of God, and then I want to go and just pick up a couple of things out of a story in the Old Testament. So first thing we look at in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 through to 38. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. And uh, in the scripture here, Jesus is looking out over the harvest, and his, he, he reveals the heart of God. And here it is here. We'll just read it, then we'll shift into the Old Testament and have a look at Jonah, Matthew chapter. And here it is. Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. He taught about a kingdom that could bring deliverance, salvation in every kind of aspect, and he demonstrated the healing the sick, sickness, uh, every sickness, every disease among the people. Every sickness, every disease, nothing too hard for him. And it says, and when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. And he said to his disciples, so this is something for his followers. Tonight you're a follower of Christ. Here's his word to you. The harvest is great. <clears throat> There's a tremendous harvest waiting of people desperately needing to know God and he said, but the, the, the difficulty is, the challenge God faces are the laborers of few, the people that will engage with community, engage with unsaved people, and bring the gospel with the power of God are very few. And Jesus said, here's the remedy. The remedy is, therefore, to pray the Lord of harvest <clears throat> that he will hurl people out into the harvest fields, into his harvest. So he reveals God as a God of harvest, a God who is a reaper, a God who is a person who seeks after people to draw them into relationship, to draw them into an eternity and a destiny. He describes the Lord God, he describes the Father as the Lord of harvest. He describes the people in the community, his harvest. So when you look out into our city, Hastings, Napier area, it's his harvest. It belongs to him. And his heart, his cry is that there would be laborers, people who would commit their life to having influence and impact at every level of society, and the goal is to advance the kingdom of God in the power of the Holy Ghost. This is the heart of God. His desire for you, desire then, has not changed. The heart of God is still for laborers to go. And isn't it interesting, when you go to where people are hungry, even if you have very little, what you've got multiplies and has great impact. One of the great things I like about people going to a harvest field where there's nothing there but hunger for God is they begin to see what God can do when people are really open. When you look at uh, the places that they went, Bandung is, uh, uh, is the second most dangerous area of Indonesia in terms of radical Muslim extremists. Oh, did we forget to tell you that bit? We just sometimes the details get missed. And Aceh is also very high on the list of Muslim extremists. In fact, that was the area that was most devastated by the earthquake, and uh, that was the area where Muslims wouldn't let people in because uh, they, they just kept people out. They've been fighting the government for years. So both areas are, are major areas of turmoil and conflict, yet in the middle of it, there's a people who are sick of conflict and wanting and hungering for God. 
when there's hunger for God, something happens. And prayer is one of the most powerful ways to shift the spiritual atmosphere so hunger for God develops and the presence of God comes. I've been in places like that, and they described even new Christians, young believers, just laying hands, powerful presence of God came. Why is that so? There's a desperate hunger for God. We have prayed for people many times in altar calls here, almost untouched, because they like the idea of coming forward, the idea of having a touch of God, but the hunger that comes out of having nothing else is not yet there. And you and I, through prayer, can begin to stir ourselves to hunger for God. I want to show you something in the Old Testament, and I want to just stir us to not resist what God wants us to do, to arise inside and begin to understand the heart of God is fully towards our community. He loves our community, loves our cities, loves this area. We look in the Old Testament in the book of Jonah. You can find it there somewhere. It's a very little book. If you can't find it, just look up the index. It'll be there somewhere. And here it is. Now, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. The name Jonah means a dove. It's a picture of the Holy Ghost, of a man called to represent God and bring the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Here it is. The word of God came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Rise, go to Nineveh, that great city. Cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But, there's the but. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarshish, and so he paid the fare, went down into the ship to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But, no matter, no matter how much you try and fight God, you can't seem to win. The Lord sent out a great wind on the sea. There was a mighty tempest in the sea, and the ship was in trouble. It was about to be broken up, and the mariners were afraid. And everyone cried out to his God, and they threw out the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the boat, and there he was, fast asleep. The captain said, what do you think you're doing, you sleeper? Rise up, call on your God. Maybe your God will consider us, we may not perish. And then they said to one another, let us cast lots, that we may know who caused the trouble that has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. And they said, tell us, for what cause or whose cause is this trouble upon us? What is your occupation? What do you, where do you come from? What's your country? And uh, what people are you? And he said, I am a Hebrew. I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. And they were very afraid. They said, why have you done this? For the men knew he fled from the presence of the Lord because he told them, what shall we do to you that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea was growing even more tempestuous. And he said, pick me up and throw me in the sea and it'll become calm. I know that this great tempest is because of me. Nevertheless, they rode hard to return to land, but could not for the sea continued to grow more tempestuous against them. So they cried out to the Lord, we pray, Lord, please do not let, let this, us perish for this man's life. Do not charge us with innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. And they picked Jonah up and threw him in the sea. The sea stopped raging, and the men feared the Lord and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. As for Jonah, he got swallowed by a great fish. Wow, didn't say wow, just says a great fish. You always think of it a while, don't you? So we have a situation, and let me just give you a little bit of the background so you help understand the setting that this is in. Otherwise, you look at it, and you say, oh, yeah, Jonah and the whale, and the whale swallowed him up, and then he prayed, and the whale got a, a, you know, a bellyache like the team did and throw him up on the beach and, and so on. Yeah, we know the story, okay? But let's just try and get into what, the, what God is wanting to show us about it tonight. First thing is to understand that Israel had been under oppression for, for many years 
from the neighboring Syrians, Assyrians. And God had raised up Jeroboam, and Jeroboam began to restore the borders. And so the church, or Israel, was in a time of restoration, a time when God was giving them back what had been their inheritance. And in that time of restoration, when God was beginning to move to Israel as people and restore their inheritance, God raised up a prophet, and his name was Jonah. And Jonah prophesied to the king. So Jonah was a man connected to God and to God's restoration of Israel. And we're living in a time worldwide where God is doing some wonderful things in His church. God is restoring the supernatural inheritance to the church. Two decades ago, three decades ago, you heard of almost no one who was moving in the things of the Spirit. In fact, you start to move in deliverance or healing or any kind of prophetic dimension seem to bring a lot of resistance and a lot of opposition. But here we are now, and worldwide, God is awakening to the church, the church to our supernatural dimension, to the mention of miracles, of, of the supernatural power of God, of people being touched by God's power, of people being, uh, receiving visions and dreams, uh, and being empowered by God to arise. So God is definitely worldwide doing something in the church. But in the midst of it, God wants to understand that what He's doing in the church, what He's doing in your life, is not just for you. He's got something bigger in mind. And the bigger he has in mind is to change cities. The bigger he has in mind is that he would touch cities that are totally godless, totally turned against him, and that he would transform them by his power. And most of us say, well, I've never seen that. Well, maybe you haven't. But you can read about it in the story. Because 120,000 men turned and were saved and came under the influence of the Spirit of God when one man stopped fighting against God and began to embrace fully the destiny God had for him. So I want us just to look at just a couple of things related to the story, just a, a few key things. And I want to just get us to have a, have a think about our own life. And we look at that and we think, oh, yeah, yeah, that's Jonah. But Jonah's gone. You're here. Are you Jonah? Do you hear the voice of God? Do you hear the Spirit of God speaking to you? Do you hear the Spirit of God stirring your heart? Do you come into worship and feel the presence and power of God touching you? God speaks to you through His written Word, speaks to you through His Spirit in various ways. Well, definitely, you, like Jonah, are called by God to have an influence in the area around us, to have an influence in the part of the world God wants you to go to. I want you to have a look here. It says, The Word of the Lord came to Jonah, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh. Now, God's heart was to restore that city. Now, here's the, here's the problem. A narrow worldview causes you to resist God's plan for your life. I'll say that again. A narrow worldview, a small perspective, a little worldview. In other words, if you want to stay in your clique, you will resist the plan God has to expand your influence and our influence into the city and beyond. The problem that Jonah had was he actually disliked the Assyrians. He had no heart for them. He divided the world up into those he was happy with and liked, those he didn't like. Those he liked, he would pray for a minister to. Those he didn't like, he had no heart for them. He did not want to go and engage them. He did not want to bring God to them. He did not want to enter their world. He was prejudiced very deeply. He had a small worldview. Your worldview is how you see people, how you see the world. Most of us divided up, us and them. 
Us are the ones like us, the ones we like to meet and mix with. Them are the others. Well, it could be the rich and the poor. Could be Maori Pakia, could be Asian and Westerner. It could be, uh, uh, you know, just this person or, or some particular group. It could be some particular situation that God is wanting you to go into. But the worldview, the, the view of life, not big enough. Even Paul struggled with that. And he said, my heart's big to you, Corinthians, but your heart needs to be enlarged. God wants to enlarge our heart. To enlarge your heart means to look differently at the people that God has sent you to to begin to see potentially their being saved and coming to Christ, to see potentially their lives being turned and they're, they're brought out of the darkness they're in and they come into a walk with God and come into the kingdom of God. That's the heart of God. He wants you to go to Nineveh. Now here it is. If your worldview is very small, then your influence will also be very small. It'll just be the group you feel safe with. And inevitably God sends you to people that you have a potential to influence, but you've got to enter their world. And I can just see here this man struggling in entering his wor- in the, the world of these people. Right now, all over the globe, one of the things that God has been telling the church is to enter into the business world, enter into media, enter into arts, enter into the sports arena, enter into politics, enter into education, enter into the medical arena. Every area that makes up the culture of a nation, God is beginning to stir the church, stir individuals and churches with a passion and a desire to enter in and have an influence, to bring God into the culture, to bring God into the community, to bring God into every aspect of what makes up our culture. God is speaking that everywhere. The trouble is that all over the world and and possibly even here among us and in our own hearts, we're like Jonah. I, I don't want to go there. Often people have been Christians for years. The biggest challenge we face is prejudice, a small world view, and the inability to see that what God did in the past, He can do much more in the future, that He can influence a whole region. He can influence a whole city. He can influence media. He can touch people's lives. I have a friend of mine, Pastor Kong here, been going to work with him for many years in his city, and his wife has entered into the media. She's made an impact in America. Now that's opened the doors to have an influence for Chinese by their thousands to come to Christ. But you know what the greatest difficulty was? The greatest difficulty was the church. The greatest difficulty was a church with a narrow worldview that just saw the media as being an evil thing. But you know, everything that God has put into the world, God has created for good. It's just men destroy it. The devil defiles and pollutes. So visual media are wonderful, but if a demonic spirit gets in and controls the people that are running it, then of course the material that's produced is evil. But visual media is a wonderful way of communicating. But who are the people that will arise? Who are the people that arise as doctors? Who are the ones who will arise as nurses? Who are the people that will hear God's heart and arise and do the training and preparation and become His voice in that area? That's what this is about. This is what the context of the story is about, about a nation, about a people who were, uh, who were wild, who were crazy, who were, who were full of idols, who were evil, and God's heart to reach them. And you know what? It was just beyond Jonah's worldview to really see that God would do this. Inside, he just didn't agree with God and didn't want it to happen. He would rather judge them and see them burn in hell than actually go to them with the possibility God could change them. And this is the argument that God had. So a small worldview 
can cause us to resist the very thing that God has made you for and brought you into this world for. You need to expand your worldview. You know, one of the great reasons I send people out to the mission field, why I like young people to go out, why I've taken my own family out to see it, I want their worldview to increase. I want us to get beyond being small, rural, narrow community. We're just looking at our little thing, and we begin to get a view that our God is a great God, and we can have influence not only here, but beyond our wars. And I was thrilled as I heard the testimonies. I went out and I saw, and my worldview changed. My thinking changed. I, I realized I was ungrateful for what I had, and now I've come back. I'm different. See, that's expand your worldview. We all need an expanded worldview. Here's the second thing here. Second thing is that Nineveh is the place, Nineveh in the Bible represents the place of your calling and also a place of confrontation. So Nineveh, he was called to go to Nineveh. Nineveh was a great city, a very, very big city. 120,000 people lived there, and Jonah was called to Nineveh. God said, I want you to go there. I'm about to do something through you in that place. What is your Nineveh? What is the uh, area or the people or the individuals God has called you to reach out to them, to build bridges with them, to build relationship with them, to build a connection with them, to be reconciled to them, to forgive them? Who is it God has been speaking to you? I want you to go to them. Who is it that God has been speaking? I want you to go and show my kindness to them. Who is it in your school? God has been speaking. He wants you to reach out and touch. Who is it in the community? God has been speaking to you. That's people I want you to go out and begin to influence. What has God put in your heart? Maybe just a little seed now. And if you were to develop it in prayer, it would begin to grow. And you would begin to see this is my Nineveh. This is what God has called me to reach out to and impact. I want to bring the presence of God and the life of God and the power of God to those people. Say, it'll be someone that God has put in your heart. It's not usually the same people for each of us. We each have people that God wants us to go to and many challenges, whether it be school or the medical area, whatever it is, God wants us to go there. So the call of God. So what's your Nineveh? Where is it God is wanting you to go? You know what Jonah did? He said, there's no way I'm going to do that. I'm not going to do that. So immediately he got up. He rose up. He said, look at this. It says he rose to flee. That means he made a bolt. I'm out of here. There's no way. Now, notice what he fled from. He fled from the presence of the Lord. He tried to get away from being where God was. He tried to flee from engagement with God who would bring him into his destiny. One of the things when we begin to wrestle against God and have our own ideas about what he wants, we begin to contend with him. We then withdraw from where he operates. And so he tries to run away. That's what it says here. He, he went, he rose to run away, rose to flee. And then he went down to Joppa. And he found a boat going to Tarshish, and he paid the fare and went down unto it and went to go with them from Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So notice he's wanting to go. He's running away from where God really wants him to be. He's running to where? Well, Tarshish is the place that you go to com comfort yourself. Tarshish is the place you run when you don't want to do what God wants. And Nineveh is the place of calling and possible conflict, confrontation. But Tarshish is the place of ease, of comfort. It's a nice city. It was a beautiful place. It was a place where there was money and business. You know, the ships of Tarshish were a very wealthy city. And so he fled to go there. Now, I wonder where you go and where you disappear to and what you do with your time and your life when you should really be fulfilling the call of God. Is it TV? TV can be your Tarshish. Sit there in front of TV and 
We've gone down from the presence of the Lord down into TV and we're just going to dwell there with DVDs and TV and electronic media away from the presence of the Lord, away from where God has called us to be, perhaps in a place of prayer, perhaps preparing, perhaps studying, perhaps getting ready to go to someone. So where do you go? There's always a place that you can go. And he ran away. He ran away. So Tarshish is your place of escape. So Nineveh, what's, what is the place or the people or the issue that God is facing you with right now? He's saying, I want you to go do this. Can you identify it? What is it you're actually doing? You've arisen and you haven't gone up, you've gone down. And you notice he had to pay a fare. It cost him. It cost him something to run away from God. Now, I've seen people run away from God over the years because they had a, perhaps a difficult situation they had to face. They had to work through forgiveness situation and just wouldn't do it. They had to face an offense, a disappointment, a discouragement, whatever it was. It doesn't really matter. That was their Nineveh. They were to go in and change. Instead of that, they ran away to feel better, ran away to have a drink, ran away to get and have a smoke, ran away to have a relationship, ran away to TV, ran away. How can you run away from God? Remember one guy, he, he was a mate of mine down Denver years ago, and he, he, he got really offended with God, said, decided he's going to run away. Connor, I know that's how crazy the thinking. I mean, you're sitting here now, you're clear head, you're here. And he's thinking, I'm going to get away from God. So he said, I know, well, I'll go down to South Island. There won't be any churches down there. And he said, I'll go right down to, the, down to, right down to uh, Stewart Island. I'll escape to Stewart Island. I'll go down there, I'll go bush. So he packs up his gear and he, he takes off, leaves his job, leaving and go down to, right down, down there, down South Island, cross over, right down into, into Stewart Island. And then he gets a pack on and he's out into the bush. I'm away from God. And he's driving down, the, he's walking down the road there and he hears this Jeep coming towards him. And the thing comes up and the guy winds, his, winds the window down and says, do you know Jesus? <laughs> and he nearly fell over. He paid all this money to travel from the North Island, down the South Island, down there to Stewart Island. And there, there's some wretched Christian who's come to him. That's his Nineveh. And this guy had run away. You know, he didn't stay there long. He turned back. He turned back and he came around to respond to the call of God. Isn't that amazing, eh? Can't run. How can you run away from God? It costs you. You know, you pay your fare. You notice the, the second thing is not only do it cost you and not only do you, do, you, do you run away from the opportunities God has for you, you have trouble all around you. And notice that the trouble that he caused because he was running from God and not fulfilling the court of God. And unfortunately, the trouble wasn't just his trouble. It was a trouble for everyone he's connected to as well. He's on the boat and the Lord let a storm come up. Now, a lot of storms come in life. Some storms come because you actually make a stand for Christ. They're, they're the good ones. They're, they're, you've made a stand, you're walking with God, and you've got some difficulties. Well, that's a good storm. That's a time to grow. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Use it as a chance to develop faith and character and just hang in there and don't quit. There are other storms which are demonic storms come upon you, suddenly sweep over you and seek to sink you and drive you away. And then there's other storms come because you made some stupid decisions. And those are the worst ones because often Christians will blame the devil. And isn't the devil, it's just they made a bad choice. Got into financial trouble bad choices, you know, got into this kind of trouble. You notice though, the trouble is seldom confined to yourself. Look, he endangered the whole boat. Everyone's in a panic now. They're all, notice now when people are in a panic, what's in their heart comes out, they begin to cry out to their gods. And here he is, he's medicated himself, had a bottle of wine and down the bottom of the boat sleeping. Oblivious to the danger he has caused to everyone around them. Now you think about God has sent Christians into the community to be salt and light. 
And if we run away from the call of God and run away from doing what God says, then there's often troubles and difficulties around us that affect the people around us. And they're of our making because we're fighting against what God called us to do. And maybe you're in a storm right now. Ask yourself, is it a storm created because I just made a stand for what's right? Is it a storm that's come on me to test my ability to stand up and rebuke it and and exercise spiritual dominion and authority? Or is it a storm I've created because I'm fighting against God and it's affecting people around me? That's not a good storm at all. The poor guys really got upset. But you know, notice this, that God's plans didn't change. God never changed. In spite of you mucking it up, in spite of you messing it up, God never changes. So it comes out, and interesting here, it was flushed out into the open. Who are you? Where have you come from? Why are you here? What's going on? Isn't it amazing? If you're a Christian, wherever you are, you're the one that God is looking to to change that environment and have an influence. And if there's a storm in there, you better get into prayer, start to get near to God and find out what God's wanting you to do before they'll turn on you. You. Okay? And then in the end, you notice what happened. They lost all the cargo. They nearly lost their lives. They all panicked. But when he identified, this is who I am, what I've called to do, but I'm running away from the call of God, God turned the situation right around. And those people came to sacrifice to the true God, and they were one. The people on the boat were one to, to the true God. And then, of course, they threw him over, and you know all the story. He fell. He was swallowed up by a fish, and in the belly of the fish, as he was about to die, cried out to God, and God gave him mercy, raised him up. And notice the moment he's raised up. Now, I don't know what you'd think a man looks like after being in the belly of a fish. I mean, what would it have done to his skin? I don't, I mean, you just can see, I just sort of got a good imagination to see that guy, scary, coming out. You know, looking like something out of Pirates of the Caribbean, you know, (laughs) something like that. But here's the thing. The moment he came out, God, it says the word of the Lord came to him a second time. God just spoke again. There's a plan I have for your life and for this people. I want you to fulfill it. And when he fulfilled that plan, 120,000 people's lives were changed forever. I wonder how many people, their lives would be changed forever if you decided not to run into a place of pleasure, but to run into the commitment and co- to the call of God and say, God, use me to reach those people. Let's just close our eyes right now. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your passionate love for people. We thank you that, Lord, you not only have poured out your love into our lives, you desire to use us to influence the lives of people. Lord, tonight we turn to you. Perhaps you're here tonight and you've never given your life to Christ. You've never become a Christian. You're, you're living. You're like the guys in the boat. You get, as soon as the storm comes, then, you, you know, you're crying out. <laughs> you don't know who you're going to cry out to. There is a God who made himself known in the person of Jesus Christ, the one true God. Jesus came to reveal what God is like, a father. Jesus came to connect us to God. Jesus came to offer a relationship but it requires a personal response. The response it requires is to recognize I'm living my life without God. There's a part of me is missing and empty. And while I live my life without God, I can never discover my true purpose and I will have an eternal destiny without God. But in a moment that could change with just one decision. A decision 
to receive Jesus Christ. The Bible says everyone who received him, he gave power to become a child of God. Everyone who believed in him. So Jesus died on a cross representing you and me so that the penalty of everything we've done wrong could be removed by just trusting that he has represented me. He has paid my debt. If I will trust him, then that debt is paid and I come right with God. You may say, well, I'm not good enough, you know. But listen, Jesus has made you good enough. You just receive him. Maybe tonight you're thinking, well, I have to get my life all fixed up. No, no, no. Jesus takes you just as you are and then walks with you and helps you to grow and change. I think, well, I've been doing a pretty good life so far. I haven't done anything really bad. Listen, everyone has sinned and has fallen short of what God has called us to become. Everyone. The penalty of that is an emptiness and separation all, all eternity. 